like the recent slew of kids we have that are between 8 and 16 that were eating just fine. And one day, boom, they had a volvulus and they've lost 90 plus percent of the bowel. The benefit and the curse for a patient like that is that they do know how to eat. They've established that, that behavior. So even if you can't cure this patient and get them off TPN, it's important to make compromises to optimize quality of life the best you can. We want to try to mimic the most normal feeding behavior that we possibly can. I still prefer letting them eat by mouth orally. The general strategy is uh, you want to push the macronutrient modules of protein and fat are well tolerated. Most of these kids don't tolerate simple sugars very well. So the general concept of pushing solids and minimizing fluid intake helps. They don't tend to dump as much. Smaller meals more frequently of solids separated from their liquids to a certain extent and minimization of simple sugars. Eventually, they'll be able to tolerate more and more, but we'll see a lot of these patients that have transitioned off of TPN, enterally fed, and then they come back having some problems later. And you find out when you take a close diet history that they've sort of fallen off the wagon a little bit and they've gotten a little bit loose when it comes to some of the diet choices. And not only that, but also sort of symptoms related to bacterial overgrowth by minimizing some of those sugars. They tend to be less bloated and gassy. So we're in the older child that has fluid losses, whether it be by stoma or any other source, we have to replace. If they are parenterally supported, that some of that fluid can be replaced IV. But as you're trying to move forward and get off IV support, if you can keep them hydrated by replenishing losses through enteral replacements, then that's important. For transport requires sodium and glucose. And so your solution that you're replacing with has to contain some glucose and some salt. And there are some homemade recipes for oral rehydration solutions. There's some over-the-counter type preps that you can get as well. Some people will resort to things like Gatorade and stuff like that, but that doesn't always work that well. It's actually too much sugar in it. I think some patients actually can come off a TPN, but still need a central line for IV fluids. And that in the absence of IV fluids, really, they end up sleeping most of the days. They don't have a lot of energy. and 
it's hard to recommend back to a family that's lost a, you know, the kids come off TPN and you're seeing them, but being in a hydrated state is extremely important to making the bowel work well. And the compromise over time is the ability to stay hydrated, whether it's at night through hydration, maybe even via G-tube, or emphasizing the need to stay hydrated. Sometimes they can't drink it, but the GI tract can use it. The other key point to remember is that the energy use goes up dramatically during puberty. And so you often will find a child who is actually doing well and they hit the wall when they start puberty because their energy needs are overcoming their nutrient input. The goal is always healthy growth. And so it's not lost to go backwards and to add things and supplement things and to hope sometimes that they'll take that one extra can of boost. It's all about normal growth parameters and get them through puberty. It is true. Some kids end up back on parental support, you know, to get through puberty. And then when you're not growing anymore as an adult, often that borderline or marginal gut function is enough to sustain them. I can't emphasize enough to look at the growth chart, both the weight, but also the height. And don't accept the, a third percentile as that's what there is very few conditions with intestinal failure that have restricted restricted growth. So, you know, you really need to put them in a healthy growth range. Um, and the family needs to recognize that they have the potential to do that. Um, and so it's just setting expectations. Hey, you have to grow off TPM, but also then you have to monitor. For uh, a lot of the time, you get into trouble after you get off TPM with micronutrient deficiencies, et cetera. That all needs to be followed. And then their long-term growth and outcome needs to be followed. So hence the importance of teams, these multi-D teams. A, you have to grow off TPM, but also then you have to monitor. For uh, a lot of the time, you get into trouble after you get off TPM with micronutrient deficiencies, et cetera. That all needs to be followed. And then their long-term growth and outcome needs to be followed. So hence the importance of teams, these multi-D teams. There's times that you do not get to go back. So a multidisciplinary approach, highlighting this really from the get-go um, is really important.
we track weight a lot as a major metric for growth, but it has to be balanced with their height. What we commonly see in this type of population is round babies where their weight for height is elevated. Weight and height are basic metrics, anthropometrics that you can follow in a clinic setting or hospital. But there's an increasing amount of data looking at, you know, quality of weight. How much is fat weight and how much is lean body mass? any child that's not meeting growth potential. There's numerous other diagnoses that can do it that range from endocrine issues to pancreatic insufficiency issues to micronutrient issues that, that aren't there. There's a lot of things that you have to, to check off, but your concept is that they're capable of having normal growth. And then as you address the issues and you improve something, you need to then have a reasonable follow-up time and assess that you're making improvements in that, which are on the orders of weeks and not months. And they don't need to travel for us to get away and to check them. You can do a lot of this stuff remotely, but you can't wait till the next appointment.